on, come all. Experience a story that will unlock the imagination of your youth. Come and see where the predictable is startled and where miracles abound. A man appearing so ordinary, but with endless worth. He defied the logical and the practical, lived and died for the impossible, an expression of true love. In a death-defying act, a man who conquers all. Come and see the greatest show on earth. We are super excited about Easter that's coming up. Uh, before you know it. In fact, it's going to be, does anybody know date it? Easter is on this year, actually? April Fool's Day, right, yeah. So we promise there's no pranks or anything crazy that'll happen that day. But we're excited because the greatest show on earth that uh, kind of our theme is going to be broken up into three parts uh, for Easter. And it's going to kind of start with Palm Sunday, uh, going to Good Friday, and then all the way to Easter. And for us, just so you know, Easter, we've got a Saturday night service at 5.30 here, and then we're going to have two on Sunday. And so for Easter, the other service is not, but for Easter, we ask if you can go online and just kind of earmark your tickets. Uh, they don't cost anything or anything at all like that. We do that just so we can have a balance for each service and know who's coming uh, and things like that. So uh, did you hear that? That was my cue. I got 30 seconds. I'm just kidding. So, no, we're excited, really. Honestly, a lot of it, the whole theme of the day, too, is just kind of sharing. Uh, you ever seen the movie The Prestige? Uh, and it kind of, it's like this big magic trip where the, the prestige is something amazing that happens at the end on Easter, but to get there, it's like this pledge, this first part in Palm Sunday, Jesus enters in, it's this amazing thing, but the turn on Good Friday, he disappears, he dies, but the greatest thing about Easter that we love is that we're celebrating his resurrection, and that, for us, uh, for our movement, our faith, changes everything. So we just want to encourage you to make that a part of your, your weekend experience. If you can, go on a journey with us. If it's possible, uh, invite friends, invite family. We'd love to have you here. And, and I'm telling you, when you step into this place, it's going to be pretty miraculous, kind of what takes place on stage, things you're going to be able to experience and see. So you don't want to miss it. Um, hey, another thing we have coming up too, I want to tell you about. How many of you, do me a favor, maybe raise your hands or yell out. How many of you have been part of our Hope Water Project? Have you ever been part of that before? Hope Water Project. Have you, have you guys ran it? So you've ran it. You've done this. So you know what it's all about. It's more, a lot of people think, oh, that's like just their running club. It's a marathon. It's so much more. That's a huge part of it. But it's so much more. It allows us to bring wells into one of our global partners, into West Kenya, into Africa. And when a well is planted in this place, because when they're running, they're raising money and support, and a well's planted there, and all of a sudden, you wouldn't believe it, it's miraculous. The well comes up where there's like a lack and absence of like clean water for these people. And they come around and villages begin to take place. Churches get planted. It's unbelievable. And you guys play a huge role in that. Did you know, by the way, since 2013, 112 wells have been dug and planted and put there. And a well, just so you know, is right around like $25,000 to plant a well. But when we do that, it changes the literal landscape of not just that nation and that place, but in the hearts of those people, what it brings. So uh, seriously, thank you guys again for, for doing that. Give them a hand because it's a big deal. It really is. And it's a great initiative that we're part of. In March 24th, if you're thinking like, I would love to do that, or maybe you're like, I could never run a marathon. I'm telling you, just go March 24th to the Troy campus and check it out. You can do this where you run the whole marathon. You can do a half marathon. You can do a quarter marathon. You can do it in relay. We can do it as a team. 
all sorts of stuff. And again, you're helping change lives, not only your own, but others that are so far away. So I just want to encourage you about that. It's an incredible initiative to be part of, okay? So, hey, do me a favor. Why don't you stand up just for a moment? You're the ones that set your clocks forward. You got spring, uh, spring ahead, right? So say hello to somebody, say hi, and we'll keep moving through our day. morning. How are you? I'm just kidding. I'm just, man, I'm proud of you guys for all getting your clocks right. I was talking to somebody, I think with iPhones and stuff now, it's easier, right? They just change on your own. So we we shouldn't have an excuse for showing up on those those days when we move that clock ahead. Great to see you. Uh, Hey, Donnie, did you have a chance to get that picture in or not yet? He's working on it. You yell at me when it's ready. Because um, <clears throat> here's the funny thing. I've, I'm doing this message, but all I can think about is I just became a grandfather again. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. Of course, I didn't think about until I was talking to some people back here. Hey, here's an idea. I could actually take that picture and put it on the slide and you could see her. Uh, it's Amelia Gray. She was born uh, on Thursday, 729 in the morning. And mom and uh, the baby are doing great. And so maybe we'll get to show you. But that's my fault. I just didn't even think about putting it on the, on the thing. But that's what I've been thinking about. Um, today, uh, we have been in this, you know, this series, Unstoppable Force. And it's talking about how the church was created to be uh, by God in the original state. And over the centuries, it's become, in our culture, kind of a very weak, um, irrelevant place oftentimes. And I would say the, the majority of the people that you know, our friends, consider it not worth their time. It is not an unstoppable force at all. And that is so unfortunate because that's not how it's supposed to be and not how it can be. And so today, we're gonna, we've really got an interesting title. The title of today's service is Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. And you're like, I like that. I'm not sure where you're going, but it sounds right. Uh, but that is what we're going to be talking about. And I want to just start off by sharing with you this idea. And I think a lot of you know that. I know many of you in the room do. If you're new to church a little bit, this may be different. But God actually says in, in Scripture that he gives every person specific gifts. They're all different. In fact, Scripture actually lists about 28 different gifts that God gives people. Okay, now I want to talk about why this is so important through, a, through one of Apostle Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. And he, he says this, you, a lot of you have heard this, <clears throat> there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Okay, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So he's just saying, look, everybody's created different. There's all these different gifts, but God is still Lord of all. He's the one orchestrating it, okay? Just as a body, and this is his illustration, I love this. Though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. 
it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. It's this beautiful explanation. He's saying, look, the way the church, the body of Christ was meant to be was that you're all going to be uniquely different and it, the body needs you desperately. And that is that ever so true when something in your body stops working? You, I mean, I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter if it's your, you ever, you ever get your big toe smashed where you can't walk and you're thinking how you don't even ever think of your big toe until it can't work. The same thing with any part of your body. So here's, here's what I want to do. I want to give you an example of something that I think happens to every one of us. How many of you guys have been in a situation in your house, you've had a dinner party or whatever, when there was an awesome spill? Okay, right in the middle of dinner or out in the living room. I was just talking to one of our staff guys and they were at a party with somebody here in the church. Don't remember who it was, but the person had white carpeting and somebody spilled a whole glass of red wine on the carpet. Okay, it, that's happened to all of us, right? So for me, this happens every, every week in my house. We have major spills every week. And I've told you that on Fridays, I have a family dinner where we have all the adult kids and several friends over this week. Davey brought two of his friends that he met in 1829 ministry here at Kensington. They were over. But almost every week, we have a spill of some kind. And what happens when that happens is everybody in the room will go into their spiritual gift mode. The unique gift that God has created you. This is how it goes down at my house. Okay, I'm kind of a strong leader. So usually I'm like barking out, saying, hey, Hope, go get a bite. I'm doing this, right? Well, we have uh, Big Dave and Aunt Betsy, our really good friends that are there. Well, Dave has the gift of helps or service, okay? Oh, by the way, let me just, before I go any further, let me just throw this, Donnie, throw that list of gifts up here, just so you can see, this is, of 28, this is an example, okay? Of like 10 of them, all right? You can see them there. Mercy, leadership, teaching, administration, pastor, encouragement, giving, evangelist, faith, service, and there's a lot more, all right? So these are, these are examples of it. So when this, when we have a major spill, I'm barking out orders, because I kind of have a leadership gift. Dave has this gift of helps or service. And before anybody can even do anything, he's on the floor and it's half cleaned up. It, he always beats everybody, okay? Callie, my wife, has the gift of mercy. And she always says this, don't worry about it, it's just an accident. And then she comes over and puts her arm. Aunt Betsy has the gift of encouragement and she will talk and laugh and tell jokes about all the times her spills that she did were worse than anybody else's. And by, by the time, seriously, when it's done, you're like, I wish I would have spilled that. 
That's how, I mean, because Betsy just makes you feel like a million dollars whenever you screw up, right? She's got the gift of encouragement. My son, Davey, kind of starts going off on some blog that he heard that, you know, if you spill things a lot when you're a kid, you're going to be a better success when you're... He goes into this lecture about it because he's kind of got a teaching gift. I mean, everybody just locks into... Do you know what I'm saying? You've seen that happen? When something... Well, that's, that's an example where we're going. Now, Paul teaches in Scripture about the church. And he says specifically in the church, there are some spiritual gifts that God always places there for it to thrive, for it to be unstoppable, for it to be a force in the world. So I want to read from one of his letters to the church in Ephesus. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Let's start in chapter 4. It says this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And he's talking about these gifts again. It was he... Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Okay, so I highlighted five of those gifts. And and Paul is saying these five gifts are the gifts that need to be present for a church to be awesome. For people to look at, for this thing to be moving and being unstoppable in the world. Okay. Now, for what purpose? I just said, to be awesome. But we're going to come back and I'm going to explain these gifts in detail. But he goes on. He says, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, this idea that everybody's going to be doing something so that it can be built up for what? Okay. Until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So remember that first passage? He's saying, here's the body. If the body's going to be full, the fullness of Christ, every part is important. And every one of us have to participate. All these gifts, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. Okay, they all have to be part of this for us to become everything we were meant to be, to become mature, and for us to experience this beautiful unity together. Scripture goes on. Then we will no longer be infants. So, like, what you think about an infant, when I think about my new granddaughter, she's completely vulnerable, right? She has no power. It says, no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Watching the news, right? On your cell phone, you look at this, this world that seems to be falling apart around us. God is saying, you won't be like infants being tossed and thrown around. There will be a solidness to you in this body, Okay? Instead, he says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I'm going to unpack that part a little bit later in the message. But I'm going to go back up to these gifts, the five gifts Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So why is every leader in America of a church called a what? A pastor. 
Isn't that interesting? And our title of the service today is Pastors Shouldn't Necessarily Lead Churches. And we can't even imagine why, because this has been around forever. I'm not even sure how it came to be. But if you think about it, if that's true, if pastors are leading churches, because the pastor gift is a gift of shepherding or caring for or nurturing the body. That's the definition of the pastor gift, okay? And if those people, which are awesome and incredible and important to the body, if they are the ones leading churches, it explains a lot, okay? Maybe he is a great pastor, but not a good speaker. Or maybe you have a a leader of a church who's a great teacher, okay, but doesn't care about the people. Without that apostolic gift that's moving people forward, the church stays in one place and never grows. A lot of you have been in a church, and this is what we do too. This is the other thing that happens. We put this label pastor, and that means to us that he should do all of the gifts. Especially in smaller churches, right? He's the guy who preaches all the messages. He, he visits every person in the hospital. He does all the funerals. He does all the weddings. He mows the grass. <laughs> he leads the board. He makes the financial decisions. You see what I'm saying? He wasn't created to do that. Do you know why so many pastors burn out? Because they were put in a position and expected to do what five different gifts are to be, and they may be one of them. Let's talk about these gifts. I want to kind of unpack these so you can, because some of these, like prophet and apostle, I'm pretty sure most of us wouldn't even know how to define those words. So I want to give you an idea of what those are actually about. Here's the role. The apostle, the apostle is one, in just simple terms, is one who goes. One who goes. He's moving, he's creating new things, he's reaching out. You hear us say all the time, to see everyone moving, okay? The prophet is one who knows. And I'll explain this in a minute. Evangelist, one who recruits. One who recruits into the body. The pastor, like I just said, is the one who cares. The teacher is one who explains. So let's unpack them. Here's the impossible, or the the impossible, the apostle. The apostle is one who has the go pulse. We've you've heard Steve, if you listen to videos, it's like the heartbeat of the church is to go and take new ground. That was the apostle Paul, the apostle Peter, right? These guys, their mission from Jesus was to move. To, to Judea, to Samaria, the outskirts of that, to the outer parts of the world, to go take this good news, take new ground, okay? In the outside parts of the church, say not in the church, like just in the real world, you know what these people are? They're entrepreneurs. They're explorers at heart, okay? So they want to start movements of new movements of God. They want to go now, not in 12 steps, one step, Go. That's the heart of an apostle. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. At Kensington, Steve Andrews, who is the leader of the Kensington movement, is a strong apostolic leader. That's what he cares about. That's all he cares about. I mean, he 
he bleeds and everything about him is to reach new people for Christ. You ever why we have so many global partners and church plants? It's because Steve is an apostolic. He's an apostle. He's an apostolic leader. I remember when we were first starting Kensington, he was trying to convince me to do this thing. And I was, I had a music background. So I was working with music groups and he goes, like in a church context, he was saying, wouldn't you rather lead 20 different groups of people instead of just like one group in a church? And I'm thinking, no, I think I'd rather do a really good job with one group. I mean, that was because I'm not an apostle by gifting, but for Steve, that's unthinkable. Why would you want to do just one if you could lead 20? And that was his apostolic gift coming out. The prophet, this is the, the person who knows and tells what God is saying. This person is like the compass, okay? So if apostle sa- or says, let's go take that city, the prophet generally comes along and hearing from God says, I think we should do it this way. He's like the compass, staying in tune with, with God, okay? That's, that's my number one gift. I'm a prophet. My apostle gift, when I take the test, comes out pretty high too. It's like just under there because I'm all about new things. I get bored. Once something's working and started, I'm like, cool, I'm ready to go. But <clears throat> my number one gift is to have a discernment about what God may be saying and what's right. That's what really matters to me. So I was the arts director at Kensington for years. And I'm like, not like most arts directors. <clears throat> I just am not in that mold. This, this, I, because I found out, even though I was very much about creating services and beautiful things for people to see, to create moments for people to engage God, I spent the majority of my time working in relationships and policies and processes because I could see where that was going to get us off the mark of what the true goal was. That makes sense? That's the profit gift. <clears throat> the evangelist. The evangelist is one who persuades others to come. He's the one who will talk with somebody, has the words. He just has a way of winning people and helping them receive Christ for a first time. Outside the church, this person would be like public relations, sales, politics. Okay, you can kind of see that gifting. Dave Wilson, when we started Kensington, his number one gift by far is evangelism. It's like Dave measured success by one thing. How many people came into a relationship with Jesus today? He doesn't care if we went here. Yeah, if you want to plant churches, great. Are they reaching people for Jesus? Are people coming into a relationship with Christ? That's how he, that's what he calls a win. Okay? The pastor... Like we said, is those, for, those who care for those who, that are here. Outside the church, kind of things would be counselors, social workers, nurses. Those people would have that pastoral gift, right? It's a nurturing gift. In our campus, I, I, I don't know if this is, it's not their only gift, but Jill Cascone has an unbelievable pastoring heart, if you know her. And she's our liaison with the Pontiac Schools, Right? And we're just, she's doing an amazing job caring and building relationships with families and teachers at Owen Elementary School in Pontiac. It's unbelievable. Jamie Breckenridge, I think, has a strong pastoring gift. He cares about connecting people and loving people where they are and taking care of It's beautiful. It's a very, very important gift. And I just got to share something real quick on the Owen thing. This last week, 
We had an opportunity to go to that school and surprise their teachers with an amazing gift. Kensington Central partnered with us to do this. And we went over, bombarded a staff meeting, kind of snuck in. Jill knows them really well, so she could get away with it. She goes, hey, I'm interrupt your staff meeting. Gave them a gift. They opened this handwritten card, all 46 staff people at this school, and we were able to give them all a $100 gift card. And they, they opened that up. At first, they were like, and then they were like, yeah, <laughs> they're doing this and dancing. And then the next five seconds, they all started to cry. And the principal stood up and talked for about five minutes of what you guys, those of you who have been involved in this, and in through your giving, what Kensington has meant to that school, she just went on for like five minutes. And then the teachers, one after another, stood up with tears running down their face, saying, thank you for noticing us, for appreciating us. It's beautiful. And so much of that has come from Jill and Jamie's heart. The teacher is one who explains God's truth. Who brings it to life, makes it clear, right? Outside, outside the church world, lecturers, trainers, school teachers, right? And they teach this in a way that can be understood and applied. They're able to make complex things uh, simple to understand, And these are actually in an order. It goes apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Because it's the apostle who is the go-palt. Who gets it started. That gets us out of our comfort zone to start something new. It's the prophet that comes right alongside and says, Okay, let's make sure that we do it this way. Some of you have seen the video we shot because it's online. And there's a lot of you that have seen this. But Steve Andrews, it was 10 years in, he's talking about starting Kensington. said, I had this vision for a church for people that hated church because I knew there were so many people that needed to experience the love of Christ. He gives this great compelling vision, but he goes, but I had no idea how to do it. That's where Mark Nelson comes in. And I'd never even thought of it until this morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. Apostolic gift, prophetic gift. Here's how we'll do this. Here's how we're going to make this look. The evangelist, then, is the one who recruits people in to the movement. He's the one, and I don't mean recruit in a bad way. I mean in a good way. He's saying, come, be a part of this. Okay? The pastor, then, once those people get there, is the one who cares for them and develops them. And the teacher is one who explains so that we can understand what we're doing. You see how together this can be super powerful? But if only one gift is recognized and one gift is empowered, how much weaker the church would be? Now let's go back to this for what purpose? I want to review this. It's to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ, all of us, may be built up to be what? Unified and mature. Okay? Now here's the problem. I'm just kind of step aside on this a little bit. I was talking with John Deiradorian at breakfast and I was kind of sharing the message with you a little bit and I realized this is really important to me because there's a problem. We don't like people who aren't like us. (laughs) Do you ever notice that? It's like what we do is we gather a people around us that make sense to us, that will think the way we do, right? That feel strongly about the things we feel strongly and don't waste time doing, you know, like those other people. We don't like people that aren't like us. We hang with people that are. You ever think about denominations of churches? 
Think about it. There's a lot of them, aren't there? And I've heard a lot of people say, hey, if you guys are all about Jesus, why is it, why are you all divided? You know what's funny? I don't think it's really on theological issues that much. It's really not. Lutherans, Catholics, Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists. You know what I think it is? I think it's wiring. It's personality preference. I was talking to John, Lutheran background, right? Lutherans tend, because of Martin Luther, tend to be very, very strong in the, in the word, okay? And they relate to that. When they read the word, that's when things come to life for them. It motivates them. It makes sense. It empowers them. And so they are all about the word. Not all, but I'm saying it's a big focus. If you go to a charismatic church, it's much more about the movement of the spirit and my experience of God and his power right now. So could it be possible that an introverted thinker may be more attracted to a Lutheran kind of a service and a feeling intuitive person might be more attracted to more of a charismatic service? And those are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. I believe God is saying in this, you know, the first Corinthians verse I share with you and, and the Ephesians verse is that all of us are unique. And all of us play a role, and every role is how important? It's critical. And yet we have in our human nature this rejection of people that don't do it the way we do it. And we can miss out on the blessing. This happens in all parts of life. Think about marriage. Isn't it interesting that God always creates a way for us and challenges us to embrace the one who is not like us, to embrace the other. Men, think about how differently we think from women. And God says, leave your mom and dad in Genesis and cling to your wife because you're completely different. Because you need each other. Because what she brings and what you bring is the fullness of Christ. How about racial divides? How about economic divides? How about political divides? Rich and poor, young and old. Think about it. When old people connect powerfully with young people, do you think we have different things to offer? Oh my gosh. But what is our tendency? Kids, old people. God is saying always embrace the other because there you find the secret of the fullness of Christ. Introverts and extroverts appreciating each other, loving each other. I can't live like you, but we need you, right? Thinkers, feelers, how about creatives and administrators? Even you guys work in that world, that's my world. You need each other, but it's so hard to work with each other. Apostles and prophets, think about this. Steve Andrews and Mark Nelson, let's go, take that hill, I don't know... And I'm going, well, hey, here's an idea. Let's think about that for a minute. He's going, I don't have time to think about it for a minute. So we got to take that hill. I'm like, you take that hill and we're going down. He said, they don't, they don't play together easily. Okay. How about evangelists, pastors, the evangelists? You know what the weak, dark side of an evangelist is? Love them till they're in, leave them. The pastor's like, hey, here's an idea. How about when you love people and they come in the church, we take care of them? 
The evangelist is like, I, that's a great idea. See ya. This is what Jesus' heart is. Do you see how they, they seem like they're against each other, but Jesus says, no, it's all in. Here's one of the greatest lessons I'm learning <laughs> as a married person. It's not 50% from me. And then Callie, you bring 50%, kind of bring part of it. You know, It's 100% me and 100% Callie in mutual submission to one another that becomes a beautiful marriage. It's bringing all of myself, receiving all of herself. That's the beauty. Does that make sense? And in the church, that's what we have a chance to do. I just want you to know that in this place, Kensington is what it is because of the apostolic, prophetic, and evangelistic leadership thing that God put together. That's why we're going. Look at this graph here. It's a gift, action, and focus of these three. Apostle, the actions go. It's an outward focus. Prophet, the, actions, the, actual, the action is knowing, but it's outward focus. Evangelist is come in, but it's out. It's out about those people. The pastor is to shepherd. It's an inward focus. The teacher is to explain to the people here another inward fo- focus. And when these are functioning well, the church accomplishes its mission. What's our mission? Say it with me if you know it. To see everyone, what? Transformed and mobilized by who? By Jesus. Not by our programs. Not by what? By, the, by Jesus himself, the head. Now look at this. Look at if I insert the gifts on this. To see everyone, that's the evangelist. Because he's, we got to go to that one. To see everyone, what? Transformed. That's the pastor and the teacher. Transform, let's teach, let's, let's, let's mentor, right? Let's disciple these people. Mobilize, that's the impossible. Or the, there I go again, the impossible. That's the apostle. Because he's saying, I don't care if you learn the Bible and you can recite it by memory. If you're not moving, it's useless. Seriously, that's how strongly Steve Andrews, he, mobilization, right? And by who? By Jesus. That's where the prophet comes and he says, hey, here, let's make sure that we're doing what God asks. Isn't it funny? I just thought, I've taught you guys this Cairo circle so many times, those of you who've been around, because to me, that's everything. Hearing what God is saying to you is what matters to me more than anything else. I thought, I'm a prophet. Does that make sense? No apostle, no go. No prophet, no compass. No evangelist, no recruits. No new people. No pastor, no care. No teacher, no explanation can't understand it's a beautiful thing we're going to have the ushers come down we're going to take our offering um and as you know part of this series is connected to this capital campaign that we're in but i think when you listen and see what our church is made up and how it's being led that's why we do capital campaigns In this last 28 years, we've actually done six campaigns. Like every four or five years, they've happened because of the apostolic leadership, which I am so 
grateful for. We, every church needs it. Or we would just sit here and do our thing in Clarkston with people that like us and make sense to us. But the apostolic movement says, go, live open-handedly, move powerfully, right? So I want to show you again uh, our campaign video, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in a second. So here it is. Every once in a while, a church has the opportunity to accelerate their mission, like double down on what they're all about. And over the years of Kensington's existence, we have had just a handful of those very special times. And our Everyone campaign is the most recent example of that. This was a three-year window in which Kensington friends are giving over and above their regular financial support. We are approaching the last year of those three. A few thousand people have already given toward this, and we are so grateful. But we have more to do in order to finish strong, and we have more people who can help us get over that finish line. So some of you have been with us all along. You started with the Everyone campaign a couple years ago, and you've been giving, and we're so grateful. And perhaps you were around back then and just didn't see your way clear to jump in financially with us back then. But maybe now you could see your way clear to jumping in for the last 12 months. And maybe some of you are brand new to Kensington, and you may want to consider being part of the last year as well. And no matter who you are, we just know that together as a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. And to get a taste of what all those things are, take a look at this. We're super excited about our new Clinton Township building, where we believe thousands of people will come meet Christ and engage their faith in a totally new way. At Troy, we've been able to improve a handful of things, including our kids' security system, and make some updates in the auditorium. We're still helping new churches get off the ground, so we invested in Easttown Church, led by the Dupins in San Francisco. We believe environments matter, so we've invested heavily in our online environment, that is our website, as well as what you see when you come into a Kensington lobby. We were able to complete the adoption of the Traverse City campus and church family. We've partnered with an organization called Youth with a Mission, which is all about reaching the next generation in the city of Detroit. So it's been an amazing run, not just for 27, 28 years, but even in the last couple of years, we have been able to see amazing things happen inside of Kensington, outside of Kensington. And, and when you think of all that, what for you uh, like really gets you pumped up? Our story is almost unique in the world. When I tell people around the country, I say, yeah, we have seven campuses giving millions of dollars to another campus that they'll never see or use in order to see people come to know Christ in the Detroit area. And they're like, wait a second, explain this to me. These people over here, 40 minutes away, are giving to these people, and they're giving like major portions of their life resources to make this happen. It, it doesn't even compute to people. And what I love is the, this spirit of other-centeredness. The great part now is we're taking this little kind of time out in the Everyone campaign because we've put a lot of resources into Clinton Township facility, understandably, yep. but there's this other list of projects that are really amazing projects that if we finish strong and as we sort of collect people into this investment, it's amazing things yet to come yes. just in the next like year or two. And think about this. This is this seems almost corny, but Troy's getting a new parking lot for a new Troy campus. Listen, there's a new spirit at Troy and a new vision and a new movement 
that is as exciting to me as anything we've done in our 27 years. We have signage. We have things that are happening at every campus to make us better, and we're going to step in and see those things happen. Was that your dream, like when you said, I want to be a church planting operation, a church planting church, which is why people think we're crazy, right? Because we're always sending people away from our church. Had you dreamt about having that express itself in other places than just America? I did, but I had no way, I had no way of knowing the variation of Nepal, Cuba, Afghanistan, where we actually are supporting leaders who who have been executed, have been beheaded this year. Gosh, we get to be a part of it? Are you kidding me? No, I never dreamed that it would be this dramatic. The other thing that I didn't expect is the fact that people hear, well, we want to start new churches, and they think, oh, well, you, want, you want to start like a beautiful building? Like, No, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time, new small groups and homes, new ideas, new ministries that, that are going to change the way people live. This is being birthed in the hearts of of Kensington people literally every second. You know, I think sometimes when people see Kensington and they see some of the great things that have happened and the buildings we have and all these wonderful people around us, they're like, well, what do you guys need? I mean, why would you even be asking for more? Like, are you building some sort of an empire? Yeah. Well... The empire that's being built belongs to Jesus Christ, not to me. Not to, No one on this staff owns any of this. This belongs to the Kensington body. And what is amazing to me is that whatever we do inside, we do far more outside. We're going to launch our 59th U.S. domestic church this year. We are going to touch over a million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ globally. It's like... What we do here at Kensington, it's like the the epicenter of, of everything going out. Almost like we're collecting resources so that we can actually send yes. them out. Yes, yeah. and, then, and then the greatest resource is the people themselves as they go out to do what God's called them to do. So there's probably a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now, and uh, we still have a year of the Everyone campaign to go. What would you love to see happen? Very simple. I want 100% of us to be in to this Everyone campaign. I want every person at Kensington who's a part of Kensington now to be able to look back and say, I helped finish that Clinton Township building. It's gonna be reaching people at Hall Road in 94 for the next 100 years. And I helped build that Nepal safe house where young girls are being restored into church planners and community leaders. And I invested in Kaleo kids and reaching these elementary schools and restoring and changing these kids' identities. And I was a part of getting Troy a new parking lot and Orion, you know, building upgrades inside. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. I want every person to be freed from the, the oppression of the question, what's in it for me? And to be liberated to ask the question, what is Jesus Christ inviting me into? Like how to use my life, everything that I've begin, been, been given, whether it's for the Everyone came, campaign or starting a new program or reaching out to their neighbors and that we begin to live not with this concern about 
How do I preserve my own life? It's how do I give my life away and let Jesus like flow through me in this world? Not, not just through individuals, but as communities, as teams, as groups of people. Uh, Kensington is a huge army around the world. And uh, as people are learning to say, not my will, but Jesus, yours be done, man. What might we see? I mean, it, we've already been amazed. I think the best is yet to come. watch that kind of after understanding how the different gifts operate and you can see that apostolic gift in Steve can't you and it's so beautiful because without that so many of us would be prone just to be happy sitting here but as a result we have the heart of the go in us and that was part of what makes a church unstoppable, an unstoppable force in the world. You just saw a picture of it. What does that mean for the campusing thing in context? I've told you this before. That's why we're here. People in our previous campaign campaign at Clinton Township, what, 45 minutes away? Troy Campus, Orion Campus gave sacrificially just under a million dollars to get us started. That's unbelievable. That's why we're here. Think about what that means around the world. I already said it, 59 different churches have been planted, 13 global partners around the world. What is that? You think that's huge? I want you to hear from them. Here's a sampling of some of the church plant leaders and global partner leaders around the world talking to you. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 the Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor, uh, the director of... Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satan and you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. And in just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. You know, over 1,000 people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been 
taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit. Thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All, all things new. new. Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60 plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this is because of you, your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. Thank you. That's isn't that amazing? I mean, it's really amazing. You guys should be clapping for this. This would be the. T- <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of, I'm still blown away by that. I don't even know half those guys, um, but it's amazing. I want you to look. If you would take this out, you got this when you came in. Let's just look through this real quick. I just want to point out a couple things that to me are really exciting. Uh, if you look at this first slide, Don, if you put that up for us. This is kind of Kensington by the numbers. Our weekly attendance is about 14,000 or so. But quite frankly, you double that, and that's actually who calls Kensington home on a regular basis because the average people come about every other Sunday. So about 30,000 people. That's who we have that are in our family on a regular basis that call Kensington home. And out of those households, we have about 7,600 that give to Kensington. Okay? And then out of that 30,000, we have about 2,900 that have given to the campaign. And so to me, on one hand, you go, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people that have invested, but I'm like, this is really encouraging to me. We have a $30 million campaign. And that's, if you look at this next slide real quick, I want to just show you what it looks like. Out of that 30 million, our goal, we had 22 million pledged, okay? And 12 million's already come in from 2,900 people. That's amazing to me. And we have 15,000 that would call this place home. So it's super positive to me. And I just want to define these real quick. The step up category. These are people that have really committed this amount of money already. Several of them have committed their full pledge already. Some of you in this room. Uh, You had a financial situation that, quite frankly, with our economy being stronger now, had surprised a lot of us. A lot of people actually have committed their pledge. And we're just saying to you, hey, if that's you, thank you so much. It's amazing how God's blessed you. Would you consider even going to God and say, hey, is there a sacrificial way I could live in this next year? And maybe God has gifted me with resources that I could even share some of those. That's what that is, okay? That's the step up category. Stay in. That's where I'm at. I made my pledge with Callie, and we talked about it last week. It was a pledge that, boy, God, you're going to have to show up for us to meet this. We're saying we're in. We're going to stay in and meet, meet that thing so that we can make this. 
And then the last category is this startup. We know that there are a lot of people in the last two years that have come to our doors that weren't even here when we started the campaign. Or maybe you were here, but it just wasn't the right time for you to be investing in this. I really couldn't agree more with Steve when Greg asked him, he said, what is your goal? We would love to see 100% of those of you that call this your home participate. And, And one of the beautiful things is I would just ask yourself this. If Kensington has been a vehicle that God has used to bless you in any way, or your kids, or your neighbors, those people, if that, then consider giving back. Um, Alex Calder, who's our finance guy, at the, uh, he had a conversation with a, a really good friend of his, and uh, he had never given to Kensington. And Alex, he, he said, Alex, what are you doing, man? You're still at the office on a phone call? And I said, yeah, I'm just working on campaign stuff. And he goes, yeah, what are you doing? And he explained what the campaign, and he goes, he goes, well, yeah, like, you know, like, man, you have to, you, you need a lot of rich people, dude, to meet that goal. And Alex was explaining to him, he says, no, look at this next slide real quick. If we had 750 households, now look at, we got 30,000 people, 750 out of 30, right? Okay. 750 households commit to $50 a month. Okay. For 12 months or $600 one time, 1300 households commit to a hundred dollars a month, $1,200 a year. See, when you start thinking about it in numbers like this, we're like, well, wait a minute. I could be part of something like that. I think a lot of us go, yeah, if I had, you need people that are going to lay down 25 grand, 100 grand, right? Not very many. Most of us are in a completely different camp. 2,000 households to 250 a month or $3,000. And, you know, Alex's friend on that call said, oh, so I could do that. So I, I would just love to encourage you. And again, this is the heart of it. Go to Jesus, go to God and just pray and just be really honest because what you do is between you and him. But I do know this, just like I experienced at Owen Elementary last week, when we keep everything for ourselves and live in fear of God providing for us, we have one life experience. When we step out and watch what we have, bless another person, it's another experience. And that's what God's called us to live, is one that is open-handed. We, I love how Steve said, we are not constrained by that trap of what's in it for me. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a prison. So I'm excited uh, uh, to invite you to be a part of this, however God may lead you. Because we want to be a church that the church was intended to be unstoppable force of love and healing and joy and hope to the world. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to sing a song at the end and I'm, I'm excited about this as we thing, we sang this last week, didn't we? Greater things, greater things God has more than you could ever imagine. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. He says, you think you can imagine, you think you got dreams? No, yeah, way more than that's what I have for you.
your faithfulness And my hope is held in your promises And I take each step with your confidence Cause I am yours And I am yours And you
that's a great declaration, I'm telling you. I would just say, too, before I forget, there's a couple of us that will just be hanging out down here. If you've had, if you couldn't sing that verse and actually mean it, because I've been there, like, I'm not, I won't fall to fear, you know, I won't cave into fear, it's keeping me, whatever that is. If you just need somebody to pray for you, whether it's your marriage, your work, your health, your whatever, kids, man, we'd love to do that, because life is, is hard. But Jesus is victorious in it all. He really is. He really is. So thank you so much for being here. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Okay? Have a great day. Take care.